History Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. I'm Katie. Hi, Katie. How are you? Mm, I'm tired. You're tired? Yeah. I'm also tired. Cool. Hence me saying, I'm tired? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? I am sure, yes. We played too much Luigi's Mansion yesterday. That's what happened. I think we're going to beat it today. I hope so. Yeah, we're a week behind on Nintendo video games. (laughs) Everyone's like, let's play Pokemans. I'm like, we just have Luigi's Mansion. Yep. But it's a lot of fun. A plus. Do you recommend? Yes. What are you going to do? Nothing? Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Kate also has to play Borderlands, but... Yes. Yes. But you did finish Spider-Man. I did beat Spider-Man. That was good. Yes. Very good game. Highly recommended. Yes. No spoilers about why you're sad. <laughs> yes i wasn't sure if you were gonna go into that or not but no i don't spoil things the game's been out long enough though it's true what is the statute of limitations mm, according to the internet never well the internet's wrong so unpopular opinion hashtag wait doesn't the hashtag come before that yeah usually oh no we're out of touch oh yeah i mean i already know i'm out of touch my coworkers make uh, TikTok references, and I do not know what they're talking about. Yeah, I, I don't. Like, there was in that last sketch on SNL when they were, like, doing the hand thing. I didn't know what that was. That's from TikTok. What hand thing? When they were going, like, like the twins. Oh, well, that's a, that's a TikTok thing? Yeah, because they were doing that work, and that's when I felt really old, because I'm like, I don't know what that is. So, like, it's a TikTok thing. Hmm. Yeah, we're old. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. So. Welcome to Old Millennials. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Where we talk about how we're old, and but also millennials. So we're old, but we're broke because of student debt. Sorry. Womp, womp, womp. That's my fault. No, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a societal thing. Yes, but in this like specific instance, <laughs> the debt was caused by me. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> All right. You can cut out whatever you want. I'm just... Nah, I think I might leave this. We'll see. Okay. I don't think it's going to be a, a long one anyway, so... We'll see. It depends on what rants I go on. It's fine. Well, what are we talking about today? Because I honestly have no idea. Today we're talking about Vito Russo. Who? (laughs) Exactly. That answers my normal question of have you heard of this person? Thank you, Katie. I have not. He was an American LGBT activist, film historian, and author. Have you ever heard of the book The Celluloid Closet? Yes, I have. So he's he is the author of that, which the New York Times has described as, quote, an essential reference book on homosexuality in the U.S. film industry. He also co-founded the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, also known as GLAAD, which has become a media watchdog organization that strives to end anti-LGBT rhetoric and advocates for inclusion in media and so they're doing their yearly report of how much representation representation has happened in media whether it's positive or negative representation 
what's been better than the year before, what's worse, things like that. So that's why that organization was founded. So he was born in 1946 in New York's East Harlem. Mm. Growing up, he was disturbed by the stereotypical portrayals of gay people in the media, which makes sense. He's growing up in the 50s and 60s, 60s, which is actually kind of impressive that there was any Any sort of, yeah. Well, I guess it all had to be negative because like McCarthyism and like the morality um, censorship, which we talked about with uh, the Pulp Fiction novels. So I I I guess that does make sense. Yes obviously thought and knew that the negative depiction of gay people in movies was bad and he witnessed the Stonewall riot in 1969 and by witness was he just like standing standing there on the side he was was uh, uh looking at the window he, i mean he because he was in new york so i think like he was like aware of it. i don't know what i don't think he was like active participant in it he would have been 23. I can do math. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, he wasn't actively in participating in the riots, but he was... He was around at the time. Yeah. Because like, not every gay person in New York was in the riots. Otherwise, what? I think it would have been a different story. Probably a cooler story, but nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Be called the Stonewall Invasions. Yeah. Invasions of the gays. The gays. Good job. So after he became aware of and experienced New York during the Stonewall riots and afterwards, he became involved in the Gay Activist Alliance. GAA. Gah. <laughs> yes. Russo obtained his undergraduate degree from Far Fairlay? Far what? F A I R. L-E-I-G-H. I don't know. I can't see. It's like Lehigh, but Farley. Fairly. Sorry. Yeah, I'm bad at pronouncing things. That's it's fine. fine. Um, Fairly Dickinson University. Fairly Dickinson. Probably Fairly. I feel like I've heard of that. Fa- yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. right. Yeah. And also got his master's in film at NYU. While he was earning his master's, he also worked in film departments at the Gay Community Center and at New York's Museum of Modern Art. So that's kind of where, during his master's and his work there, that's kind of where a lot of his art and politics kind of fused more together during Mm -hmm. that time period. He worked on material that... He developed material following screenings of camp films uh, shown as fundraisers for the Gay Activist Alliance. The Ga. The Ga. Mm -hmm. And traveled the country from 1972 to 1982, delivering the Celluloid Closet as a live lecture presentation with film clips at colleges, universities, small cinemas. And both the book and the lecture slash film clip presentation, he relayed the history of gay and lesbian moments and the treatment of gay and lesbian characters in American and foreign films in the past. Mm-hmm. So, like, he kind of was, he was recording the history. He was starting to kind of, kind of, like, track it and kind of being able to show, like, this is how we have been seen, this is how we've been portrayed, this is how we haven't been seen. Mm -hmm. His, like I said 
before, his concern about the portrayal of gay and lesbians in the media is how GLAD was formed. GLAD also presents annual GLAD media awards to actors and shows and movies that are have positive rep- and you know robust re- representation. Robust, huh? Well, it's not just like random robust gay dude like who has like two lines and it's like hey girl right glad award best actor exactly and glad has the Vito russo award named in his memory and is presented to an openly gay or lesbian member of the media community for their outstanding contribution in combating homophobia hmm. he was also actively involved in act up which we talked about in our previous episode and a lot of the media surrounding act up a lot of it had like he had his hand in 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 those things as well so he was like a pr guy yeah but i mean also a lot of it was just like recording it and like just like having it oh historian yeah yeah i mean i think the easiest the easiest way to describe him would be a film documentarian documentarian there you go i was gonna say film historian that works too yeah because this really wasn't really wasn't happening you have some people taking photographs and you have some people but like any thing in history if you don't if you don't write it down if you don't record it 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 ends up being erased like it didn't happen Mm. so it's easy to you know, the revolution will not be televised type thing. Yes. If it's not on people's TVs, if it's not on people's newspapers, that was the whole thing with Reagan not talking about it because he wasn't acknowledging it existing, which in itself was, like, a problem because people weren't talking about it. People didn't know, like, the actual truths around AIDS. So that was kind of what ACT UP and Rousseau were kind of were doing as part of, like, that activism. Russo also appeared in a 1989 Academy Award-winning documentary, Common Threads, Stories from the Quilt, as a, quote, storyteller, talking about the life and death of his lover, um, Jeffrey Sevjik. In 1990, he spent a year in California at the University of California, Santa Cruz, and taught the class, Celluloid Closet. Mm. He, they said he enjoyed being a professor and spent lecture breaks smoking and joking with students. Smoking and joking. Smoking and joking. All right. Yes. In 1990, also, Merrill College at University of Santa, uh, California, Santa Cruz, established the Vito Russo House to promote gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender awareness and provide a safe and comfortable living environment for queer, straight, supportive, and all students who value and appreciate diversity. The house tailors its programming to meet the needs of LGBT students and offers an opportunity to build an understanding and tolerance. That's cool. Yes. Russo was diagnosed with HIV in 1985. It always goes back to that. I mean, if we're talking about behavior... And I've been using his name in the past to have... Oh, I know. I, I figured he he was dead because of the, the GLAD award in his memory. Yes, that was That also, would be weird uh, if he was like, I'm not, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be weird. It would be weird. Yes. 
and he died of AIDS-related complications in 1990. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, so he was... Born in 46? Yeah. Mm. 44? 54, right? No. No? I can't do math? Because 46. Mm-hmm. 40 would be 86, and then add four more would be 90. I was thinking of the year 2000. Yes. My bad. Today. So, yeah. He was... 44. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you just, uh... There's so much more people could have, like, done and accomplished. And, like, it's right. really amazing in, like, a heartbreaking way to see how much they accomplished within their short lifetime. Like, he created the foundation of queer representation in media and having at least some accountability for it lacking or being negative and that didn't exist and the fact that he was doing that you know in the height of the AIDS crisis like yeah. that's when it probably I couldn't the, the representation and the information had to be so like abhorrent and terribly wrong that I don't know how you you even do that at that point to report just night. I just would feel like it's all bad. <laughs> the report would be like, <laughs> yeah. Except maybe like the Golden Girls or something. Like everything's bad. Yeah. <laughs> except the Golden Girls. Yeah. Yeah, just think about how much further we would be in like representation and stuff if if like that generation, you know, all who, you know, died because of the AIDS crisis, like how much further we would be too. Because it's like they we would have had those activists like pushing through the 90s and stuff and... Oh, yeah, and that's the whole thing with, I mean, the history in general. This is why we don't, I mean, outside of it being tried to be, like, squashed by the state, you don't have the elders. I mean, you have some elders, but not... Yeah. You know, we've talked about this in other episodes. You know, why didn't we know gay people in the 90s? Because they all died. Yeah. I didn't know of a gay person... Like, even, like, directly in my circle until I was 12, and it was my best friend's brother. So, and it's definitely not anyone, like, older. I don't think I really even interacted with anyone who's older until I went to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His work was presumptuously brought to television in 1996, HBO documentary f- called The Celluloid Closet. Yes. And co-executed and produced by, and narrated by Lily Tomlin. Oh, yeah, see, I never, I never watched it, so. Yeah, I mean. But I've heard of it. I think we should watch it. Probably. <laughs> it's hard. It's one of those things where it's, it's, you know, I vaguely remember this existing mm-hmm. from my own, like, director's, like, life, but I don't, I don't really think, I mean, 96, I didn't have HBO, definitely. I was eight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, same. So, and, like, back then, like, HBO was known for its, or at least maybe in my weird... In your Catholic household? It was, like, weird racy stuff. That's what HBO was. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what actually normal people thought. HBO, full porn. That's what cable TV was. No, we had cable TV. (laughs) Cable TV. Cable TV was the devil. 
I mean, we had Nickelodeon. Anyway. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That completely uh, went on the wrong track. So... So it was narrated by Lily Tomlin, and after his death, there was a memorial in Santa Cruz put on by students and colleagues, and there are testimonials about how inspirational he had been, and the group of people sang over And uh, currently, a lot of his papers and like notes are held by the New York Public Library. Hmm. Uh, a family-approved biography of Russo's life... Uh, titled Celluloid Activist, The Life and Times of Re- Vito Russo, was published at in the University of Wisconsin Press in April 2011. Mm. It's a two-volume reader that White Crane Books titled, quote, Outspoken, The R- Vito Russo Reader, Real One, and Real Two. Real One... Real One presents his film writings, and Real Two collects his political and social comments. So mm. there's there's been a gathering of his gathering. It's oh my! Like a, well, you have you know it's like poetry collections, and like you, you kind of put all of that together. Mm-hmm. The documentary film on his life uh, had a festival premiere in 2011 in the New York Film Festival, and had a television premiere on HBO in 2012. And how was it? I I did not. It didn't receive rave reviews. It didn't tell, didn't tell you that. No. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm it, sorry. It's okay. I just want to know how it was. I mean, I'm sure it was good. Okay. In 2013, Glad named the Vito Russo test after obviously Vito Russo, and which was a set of criteria intended to analyze representation. Of LGBT people in the community, so just like the the Bechdel test, it was. Mm-hmm. Do we know what the criteria was? To pass the Vito Russo test, the following must be true, and this is according to Glad. The film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual, and or transgender. The character must not be solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. For example. They are made of the same sort of unique character traits commonly used to differentiate straight characters from one mm, another. Mm, mm. Yeah, you, so you have a multidimensional character. Mm, it seems mm, mm. tough. And finally, the LGBTQ character must be tied into the plot in such a way that their removal would have made a significant effect, mm. meaning that they are not simply to provide a colorful commentary, paint urban authenticity, or perhaps which they say most commonly, to set up a punchline. Mm. The character should, quote, matter. Ah, weird. And in 2012, less than half of seven of the 17 major studio films Glad counted LGBTQ characters managed to pass the the test that year. So only seven out of 17. I'm surprised any of them did. So 17 had queer characters seven past yeah oh wait this year wait i'm sorry that's not so that this was written that was 2014 i'm sorry and 2012 it was so it's seven out of 17 2014 six out of 14 in 2012 
this is a little outdated so I right i mean but still that's i mean that criteria all seems like it makes sense it's... yeah i mean they found there's no transgender characters in 2012 releases that they tracked but two found in 2010 releases that were not great mm. mm-hmm. so while there's some positive movement with gay and lesbian and bisexual representation in the media obviously you still have very far to go with trans representation why shows like pose are such a giant like phenomenon so like fucking important because you actually portray people as people what Mm. a radical concept and yet yeah that's you know it's a radical concept yes well, that's cool. In June 2019, Russo was named of uh, one of the inaugural 50 American, quote, pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes inducted on the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument hmm. at the Stonewall Inn. This happened during the unveiling of the, the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riot. So when we're talking about the same thing that honored Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia mm. Rivera, so it's along, it's within that same right. uh, memorial yeah, so. history, yeah. Obviously, he was a heavy hitter. Yeah, I don't think you have, I mean, I, I don't think you have the consolidated, that's not the right word, but, like, you don't have the larger conversation about representation. Mm. Without GLAD, and you don't have GLAD without Vito Russo, you don't have the beginnings of tracking what actually exists in the media and how it's shown and why it's shown without him. Yeah. Obviously, all these conversations existed before and would have existed after without his work and without GLAD, but having it centralized and having an organization dedicated to the positive representation of queer people in the media, I, I think the, the impact of that is just, I don't even think it was as quantifiable. Mm-hmm. Because it's, we see it, we still see it now, you know, when you have random people being like, hey, maybe you should not represent us, like, really terribly. And people are like, nah, it's cool, you're being sensitive. But when you have, like, the backing, here's... And, like, unfortunately, that should be enough. That should be enough to change people's minds. But obviously it's not. You have an organization that's, like, here's data. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't in our heads that we're being shown terribly when we're being shown at all. Like, this is, like, actual, like, quantifiable proof that y'all are trash. <laughs> and you should stop being trash. Yeah. So... I think there's a, there's obviously a power behind that, and it's in, it's important. the The importance of the media, I think, sometimes goes. You know, people take that for granted, because yeah. Oh, it's just a TV show. Oh, it's just a movie. Oh, it's just a video game. Like this is what people do. This is what, like, outside of our daily lives. But they get mad when. Slight changes are made, and 
Like, oh, can't that? Why does that character have to be a black woman? Why does that character have to be blah 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 blah? blah? What what's wrong with having the white guy be the the main thing? They changed it from a white guy. I'm sad now. My childhood is ruined. Yeah. Somehow, even though this didn't exist. Yeah. During your childhood. But you know, it's just a TV show. It's just a movie. It's only yeah. It's only a TV show when the it's a straight white dude. It's an absolute injustice when a person of color and who is queer or not is cast for something then it's a goddamn travesty yep so the media reflects who we are as a society and reflects back to us what we think a society should be mm-hmm. and i think having pioneers like russo acknowledge that and kind of put in the foundations of trying to reflect positivity of gay representation in the media so it would reflect positive back onto us yeah is it's very powerful and it's not someone i knew too much about before nope never heard of him but i mean the reason why we're having so much we have so much conversation about representation and i could write about representation until I die and be super happy. Oh, okay. Like a very long time. Oh. It's like years and years of writing about representation. I thought you meant like you would like write yourself to death with oh, representation. No. I would just keep writing ah. about it until I died. Gotcha. A very long, happy tome of representation. Yes. <laughs> Point is, I don't think these conversations would be mainstream and topical on you know, tell, even, like, talking about on television, having multiple articles written about it online without without him. Mm-hmm. I don't think it exists. It wouldn't exist in the same way, at least. Hopefully someone else would have come. But the foundation that he started when he started it was probably so integral. And at least the eventual shift, you, you and I think it's easy to see because of these shifts and because of these conversations the shows that don't age well they don't age well because we've been able to like move past that and do better right i'm looking at you friends the the tv show friends not you're not not my friends you're not looking at the metaphorical friends sitting around here yeah yeah tv show friends tv show friends it doesn't age well but it was seen as progressive because you had two lesbian characters in it but Yes. It's not. But for a decade previously, comparatively within the AIDS crisis, Friends was very progressive. Yes. So I think it's, I think having those milestones and like that documentation is also important because it's, it's hard to see the little bits of progress, especially like within media and representation and having that quantifiable research think helps kind of see the positive general positive progression yeah so it makes sense yeah well i think that's our show mm-hmm. i'm glad that you learned things i generally do yeah i'm i mean i'm just generally happy that you learn things yeah. i'm genuinely happy that i learn things yeah. and i'm hoping that you all learn things too and that's kind of the point indeed so if you have any questions or comments, you can check out our website, queerstidthat.com, 
or on our Facebook or our Twitter at Queers Did That. We have an email, that at gmail.com. I think that's... Oh, Anchor, you can leave us comments, but you have to be signed up on Anchor to do that. I mean, you can just email us. It's probably easier. <laughs> but we do love hearing your sweet, sweet voices, as long as they're nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and until next time, make gay history and make history gay. Goodbye. Bye. Maximum snuggling for podcasting. <laughs> yeah.